There we are, team. Welcome to our Wednesday coaching call. Um, what I want to do is, as and when people are going out there and achieving the things that they're aiming to do, um, all the challenges and stuff, clearly I'll say it time and time and time again, you know, becoming overachieving, but we need to celebrate, obviously, the achievements. We need to celebrate the things that we've done because there's a lot of gold in there. There's a lot of things that we can learn. There's a lot of things that we can adapt from everybody's different challenges, whether you're training to run 10 of the highest mountains in the UK or whether you're trained to start running, it doesn't really matter, and everything in between. There's so much that we can learn, so much that we can take away from everything that people go through. And this is what I would like everybody to go through um, with Tony this evening. So if everyone could just click mute, please, on their... Uh, who is unmuted? Laura, mute yourself, please. Thank you. Um, awesome. So let's get stuck in. Get rid of a box. Go away. There we go. So, Tony, running the 10, my friend, talk us through it. You know, first and foremost, start with why. And then before we go into like how the challenge was, let's talk about let's talk about the genesis of the challenge of running the 10 talk us through it what's it all about yeah so um in september last year august last year um i decided i thought i'm going to run the 10 highest mountains in the uk um and I've decided that we're going to go and do that. And I went off and I thought, right, I'm going to start with the highest one first and I'm going to go and do Ben Nevis because when I've done Ben Nevis, I know that I can do all the rest. So I went and did Ben Nevis. Then I went and did Cairngorm, Ben McDewey, and I went and did Ben Laws. And then, then I spoke to you. And you were like, well... Yeah, yeah. When what's your time scale for doing this? And I sort of thought, well, six months would be a good time scale because at least you know you're getting it done. And you you was like, well, yeah, I think you could do it in a week. And I kind of thought about that for about five seconds and went, yes, let's do it. Um, because I thought, well, that's a that's a you know doing it in six months is yeah, that's it's still you've still done it. But doing it in a week is a proper challenge. And the last thing that I did um, that you coached me with um, was a marathon. And to me, that was, you know, I was 51 running the first marathon. Um, and I completed that absolutely exhausted. Um, raised a lot of money for Samaritans. So I thought, well, yeah, I'll do it. Let's do it in a week. Um, that's going to be a huge challenge. I went and... After we'd spoken, I went and did the maths on it and went, oh, it's like nearly 100K over 6,000 metres of climbing, um, you know, in you know, in seven days. So that was the kind of seed sown and the, and the plan set and where we virtually shook hands to, to say, right, come on then, let's do it. And you were going to help me through the process and... Um, you know, coach me through it. So that was sort of like how it came to fruition. And then obviously I thought, well, if I'm going to do that, I can do it for charity again and I can do it to raise um, funds for Samaritans um, because in 2020 I lost a good friend um, during second lockdown. And, uh, I, you know, Samaritans give a great thing that 
I just think if he had someone to talk to, um, even though he didn't talk to any of his friends, nobody knew um, what was happening. And um, I can give people the opportunity. Oh, hello, Claire. Give people the opportunity to, um, you know, pick up the phone and, and get some help if they want. So that's why uh, I wanted to do it for Samaritans again. So, yeah, that was the seed zone. Um, and the more I looked, I've got these maps behind me here. And the more that I looked at these maps, the more scared I got. <laughs> so talk us through, because I think when people are... <clears throat> When people are going through, you know, what is a challenge, what is an adventure, piecing it together, talk me through the thought process or the alteration, sorry, of the thought process between doing it in six months and doing it in seven days. Because something happened in that five seconds that you were thinking about it that you went, yeah, why? Why did you sort of say, now nah, sort off then, right, I'll do it in six months. Like, what's the difference in Tony's thought process there? Well, <clears throat> anyone that knows me, I'm like a totally goal-driven person. I mean, recently, uh, well, a year ago now, I closed the extremely successful business and started a new career because that business had, 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 had achieved all the goals over 11 years that I wanted to. And, um, you know, something like that. I give myself a goal of six months and then I realize that's not, it's not actually a goal, is it? You know, got to give yourself a proper goal. So do it in seven days. Um, also, the fact that, I mean, it sounds better, doesn't it? Anyway, when you tell someone, oh, I did it in seven days. Well, it was like, I did it in six months, you know? So, um, and so I wanted to give myself a real challenge. Um, I mean, I never wanted to run a marathon, but I just wanted to be able to say that I'd run a marathon, you know, to myself to say, yeah, yeah, you've done it. You've, you've run a marathon. Um, and that, that came about because the guy who <clears throat> I did it with, it weren't an organised marathon. It was just we did it twice around a lock in um, called Loch Leven, which is 13 miles around. Um, he told me that he was doing it, and I said, "Oh, you know, I'll I'll support you. I'll come." I was thinking I'll just go on the bike and give him some drinks. And then when we started chatting, and he told me what he was doing it for, and he's he was only 20, 20 at the time, so twenty and fifty one, quite uh, far apart in age, but we both had the same experiences with our friends um losing someone during that second lockdown that I thought well you know I've got to go and properly support him and properly properly do it um and with this challenge I I just thought yeah make it into a make it into a proper challenge by doing it in seven days and a, a proper goal for me to try and achieve um rather than I was saying six months because one of the reasons why I didn't want to go out in the snow. <laughs> uh, so when it got that, that, that totally didn't that totally didn't happen, did it? Yeah. <laughs> we ended up what? How many mountains were in the snow? Or did you touch snow on all of them? Yeah, all of them. It's winter more, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Winama. In 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 end of April, beginning of May. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of snow up on the, definitely on the annex and on the Ben as well, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. So when it comes to, let's dive into the training now. You know, we've got Tony into the mindset of this is the challenge that we're going to do. This is what we're going to train to do. And we gave ourselves, you know, a solid seven months to get there, didn't we? So we had a yeah. 
a big amount of time. Talk to me about how, what you learnt about preparation for these sort of challenges, about yourself, and also about the process that you were on for that seven months. Seven months is a long time. You know, seven yeah. months, talk to me about that process of training up to the point then of being able to start running the 10. Yeah, I think, well, because I'd worked with it before and because I'd done the marathon training, uh, which was about four which was about four months, I kind of knew what the process was going to be with increasing the amount of running and the amount of strength training and it getting harder and harder. So I kind of, I knew that what, what I was about to embark on was going to get difficult. Um, but for me, in, embracing difficult things is is one of my uh, good or bad psychological attributes. Depends how you see it. My wife thinks it's bad, but uh, you, know, you, you probably it's probably a good thing. So yeah, embracing difficult things and um, started off. We kind of went through a, a sort of honeymoon period at the beginning where it was like do this and see how you feel and it was like yeah no I'm getting on all right with that and then it ramped up a bit more and a bit more and then as as you you, you always bang on about getting up in the morning and doing stuff but I'm more of an evening type person and uh, as we got through the program you you put it in there you got me out of bed first thing in the morning in the dark in the winter head torch on doing 5k um tempo runs and 8k easy runs doing double days doing long runs and i got up to you know ended up doing i think my biggest week in training was about 82 kilometers um with about i don't know well that month in february i did five and a half thousand meters of climbing in that one month in 28 days so that was pretty hefty um bit of training and um, doing the strength sessions as well, um, you know, it all it all added up to 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 making me not only physically but uh, psychologically confident to go and do this um, this challenge and take it on, knowing that I've got enough uh, physical ability and and also mental ability because I knew it was going to be hard. I knew day one was going to be a lot easier than the last day. You know what I mean? Because day one, you're like, yay, I'm going to climb some mountains. And the last day, well, the various profanities. It's a big day. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what I've learned about that training process was that, <clears throat> yeah, you need to um, you need to stick with the process. You need to really, um, um, you know, trust what you've planned out, whether whether you're doing it with a coach or whether you've planned it out yourself to to do it, um, increasing your your um, distance and, you know, increasing your weight and making your strength training more difficult and also making sure that you eat enough because that was the other thing is I was, I, was, I think um, when I did the marathon training, I, really didn't eat enough i think i underfueled myself i did the marathon fine but i really don't i don't think through the training i was losing weight through the training so i weren't eating enough um but that was because i think back then 
I'd only been vegetarian for a while and I, you know, I just couldn't, I just didn't, I hadn't worked out what was high in calories and giving me the right amount of stuff throughout my diet. Um, but now I'm, I've got that totally cracked. So, um, I can, I can eat enough calories and then, and to fuel what I'm doing, um, and eating the right stuff, like after, after training, making sure I'm getting protein, a bit of carbs and plenty of liquids and, um, stuff like that. So yeah, eating enough was also, um, a bit of a, bit of challenge. Um, but I'm, as we, a lot of stuff, I'm a bit fastidious about preparation. So I had I have everything prepped in the fridge. I've got meals for I mean if you look in my fridge now there's about five different meals to eat um, for me. None of them are for my wife. Uh, she just eats what I give her. Um, she does, and she she just gets some chicken or some fish to go with what I've made, um, and I just get a big a big portion of everything. Um, so. Yeah, I think that's that's the other issue that whenever you're doing any of this, any kind of training that's quite heavy, is you need to make sure that you increase your uh, calorific intake through. Um, I mean, I know that we we have these things on the watches that are true or not true or a bit inaccurate, but you know, just listening to your body as well. You know, when you've done a 65, 70 k week and you've done two thousand two and a half thousand feet of climbing that you definitely need uh, some calories mm. to carry on and do that next week you know what do you think was the um so before we get into the into the meat and meat and veg of the actual challenge itself what do you think was the biggest challenge for you going through training like seven months all the way through the winter like you said those early mornings what do you think was the toughest part of that overall training period? <clears throat> Probably that month, the, the, well, the six weeks, was it six weeks or seven week training block that I did that were double days. I think I had two, two days of double days. I was basically training six days a week and one rest day. And, uh, the, the and the long runs were three and a half, three hours, three and a half hours plus. And in that in that month, in that six seven weeks, I went and did a challenge and another little challenge within a challenge, which was the training, which was the three hills in five. And I've never I've never felt fit enough to do that. And it's not, it's just that that I've done the two and I've done, but it's the third one so far out. That to come back, it's 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 a long haul back, and I managed to do it. I went out and I did that in as one of my long runs, and I did it, and and I actually felt pretty decent after I came back and thought, had a cup of tea, had some uh, soup, and had a sandwich, and I was like, I I feel all right, you know. Um, so you know, for the last couple of years, I've never actually attempted it because I always thought I'm going to flag out on that last hill and have to go over the other side and go and call my wife to come and pick me up on the road and bring me back to my car. Um, but I, mean, I knew she'd be late anyway, so I didn't bother doing that. <laughs> she's she's the worst support ever. She always turns up late. Um, so, 
Now I've told her that, you know, she'd still not improve. Um, but yeah, that was probably the hardest part doing the double days. So you've gone and you've done, especially when it was like the tempo runs. And I was doing my in my head. I wanted to get because of five k. I would wanted to get sub thirty minute five k's for my tempo runs, and I was doing them two in a day, sub thirty minutes for four or five weeks. You know, so that was pretty pretty good. Um, and the the probably the, yeah. That that and the food, that that training and and the eating, um, was probably the biggest issue. Because again, with that amount of volume of training, and then trying to fit in prepping all the food, you know, um, it's quite it's quite difficult. But uh, but I got it done. So and let's not forget, you went on holiday as well during that period. You know, you were you yeah. you went on holiday, weren't you? So you were taking you took yeah. what, you took a tub of protein, didn't you? you took creatine. Protein, creatine, yeah, to to Gran Canaria. Went running there. Um, went off up the hills up there. Um, lost about two stone in a day in in sweat one day, I think. Um, um, yeah, and sw used swam a lot while I was there. Um, so yeah, just kept just kept at it a bit. Obviously, I couldn't do what I was doing because it was so hot as well. But I just, uh, I just kept at it um, in a different way. Yeah, because that's it's quite easy, I guess, when you're on holiday, you just to throw caution to the wind and start eating everything. But I didn't, I didn't do that. I'd put, I'd already put a fair bit of effort in because I think was it October? I think I'd already been at at the training for a, a good eight weeks. And I didn't want to kind of like go, well, I'll just eat whatever I want, you know, when I want. Um, I mean, to be honest, in Gran Canaria, it was quite difficult to find vegetarian food. Um, so we ended up going to a couple of places generally because they, they did good vegetarian food. Um, I think I think some of the other places would look into quite happy to just to pick the prawns and stuff out of the paella and then give you... <laughs> Give it picked out, you know. So, talk us the challenge itself. Running the ten, you got it done. You did it in seven days. Talk us through. Uh, talk us through the challenge, and how you think the whole thing went. So, pre pre challenge, um, getting all the kit ready was a bit of a, was a challenge. <laughs> um, getting making sure that I had enough stuff to to last me um over that period because as we diaried it out it was it, the challenge was going to be seven days but we diaried it out to be actually four days of running and two days were interchangeable for a weather window so that was going to be a rest a rest day on whichever day it, it never happened and then there was going to be a rest day in there as well like diaried in um Originally, we were going to do it five days because there was going to be um, on the Cairngorm part, there was going to be two days. But having spoken to a few people, decided that we were going to do it in one big loop. But I'll get to that in a minute. 
Um, so yeah, planning all planning all the kit. Um, had all that laid out and counting how many pairs of shorts and socks and you know base layers and stuff that I'd got enough to to last me. Um, packed and repacked and unpacked and repacked my bag. Made sure that I could get everything in and get out get everything out when I needed it. Um, added things that I added to my kit list were um, uh, mini spike crampons because I didn't know whether they were going to need that. Ice axe um, because, again, didn't know whether they were going to need that on some of the routes. Um, oh, we're good. And um, yeah, other bits of kit. Normally, I would only have one waterproof, but I, I actually got another one so that I'd have two. That proved invaluable on the second day. Um, so preparing all the kit, and then I wanted to make sure that I'd got all the food right as well, all the nutrition right. So I prepared all the food that I was going to eat um, in the evening after I'd run. And obviously I'd got all the stuff that I was going to have for my breakfast and all the stuff that I was going to have for like during during the running. So mainly for the for the breakfast, I made a huge um, pot of a huge box of um, overnight oats, which contained dates, honey, cranberries, um, crushed cashew nuts, uh, crushed almonds. Um, yogurt you know so it was and I was having a lot um, and then also had my cheeky wee secret weapon as well which was a fried egg sandwich mm -hmm. for breakfast so that was uh, that was the starter and then for, for food wise the trail snacks I'd got like Geocharge bars, I've got SIS gels, I've got some of these um, meal bars by Real Meal UK, 600 grams, big big bar, but 600, 600 calories in a bar. Um, they were really good. Um, Wendy Worms, um, Reese's Cupcakes, Reese's Pieces Cupcakes, um what else did I have? I think that was about it. Yeah. Um that was kind of like the trail food. And then for the for the night time, what I did was I've got these um silver sandwich bags and I cooked up five different meals and I'm, I've made them in different sizes knowing what I was going to be doing. So like day one was Risotto, pea risotto, and rice. Uh, pea, pea, and carrot and pea risotto with um, uh, tofu. But that was sort of like this size. And then on the next day, when I was doing the huge loop, it was like a, it was almost full to the top because I had just had, you know, it was like that was um, chickpea vegetable curry with. Um, tofu and rice 
So that was when I when I cooked it and served it out on the plate, it was like this huge triangle like that. And I just looked at it and I thought, oh my god, I don't think I can even eat one spoonful of that because I was so tired. But then I, I started eating it and like literally I was <laughs> licking the plate at the end. You know, I finished it all. Um, oh, I also had to, I also had afterwards for for uh, uh, with some grenade bars as well. They're pretty good. Um, so I had all the all the meal prepped for for afterwards, so that I knew what I was going to eat as well. So I thought that because I didn't want to leave anything to chance, I didn't want to have to like go to Tesco's in Abbeymore and I'm not have tofu or I'm not have whatever it is, you know. And plus, I had it all prepared, and it was all what 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 I did was I prepared it all in the week and I froze them all. So when I took them with me, because uh, I was staying for Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, uh, no, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday night at Rothy Mercus Lodge. So I had access to a fridge. Mm. So I just put them in there and they just defro defrosted naturally. Um, I did make a bit of a faux pas on uh, day one because I took the risotto out of the freezer the night before and it was still frozen. And I went up and down the mountain and I came and I came back and I had it on the dashboard and it'd been sunny and it was still frozen. It was like, it was like, oh no, I'm going I'm going so hungry when I get there and it's not defrosted. So I ate some snacks on the way driving over and I put the thing on the dashboard with the heater on. But two hours on the heater and it had defrosted. <laughs> um so as soon as I got there, it was straight in the pan and got eaten. I hope that um, uh, people, when they're you know watching this and listening to this, you know some key takeaways here are the fact that the nutrition strategy is super important, and you'll see a lot of people when you go on social media, you'll see a lot of people who are like prepping for ultras and stuff, and they'll have tons and tons and tons and tons of gels. You know, I'm not saying that gels are a bad thing because obviously you use them, Tony. But you know, when we look at, I've seen these posts. You see them on like Trail and Ultra Running UK, right, on these pages, and it's like, oh, I'm doing my ultra, and this is my nutrition strategy. And no joke, I took a screenshot of one of these. There was somebody with, you know, fifth. I'm pretty sure it was 50 gels. It was maybe it was 30. It was an obtuse amount of gels all laid out. And you're like, this is my nutrition strategy for my ultra, and then they're going off, you know, the research of 60 to 90 grams of carbs per hour. But the thing is, we have to make sure that when we're doing our bigger adventures like these, whether it's multi-day, whether it's just a long, long day out in the hill, like any one of your days, Tony, in a whole is one solid adventure in itself. You know, the more we pre prepare stuff, clearly that's a massive win. The last thing you want to do, I know this from experience, the last thing you want to be doing is cooking and prepping and doing stuff with food for an hour when you're actually hanging after these hills. But yeah. then also having a mixture of flavors of different types of texture and taste and stuff with your fueling strategy for, you know, on the hill, on the adventure itself. That's the same for a hill walk. That's the same for a multi-day mountain run, you know, having that complexity in what you're eating will, you know, it will help get around something called taste fatigue. The minute you get bored of eating something, the minute you're dropping down the tank, it's got nothing to do with, you know, the food itself, but everything to do with the amount of fuel that you're taking in. And if you've just got gels, or you've just got jelly babies, or you've just got, you know, savory stuff, you will definitely, definitely get bored of it. So having like a good yeah. complex mixture like that, I think is really, really good. So the, the other thing, the other thing that I, I forgot about actually that I took on the first couple of days was um, small boiled potatoes, boiled potatoes, 
with salt and butter on in a little bag. Then and that gets when you've had that sweet stuff and you get and you're just like right, bang, have some potatoes with a bit of uh, salt and butter on. Great for changing that, like you said, that taste for tea got um, because you're going hard as well, doesn't it? Pardon? The butter just finishes it as well, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, the the that was the the sort of pre pre um, strategies of food preparation as well, and then so in an unplanned way. Um, just logistically planning, I started off with the tent highest mountain, which was Ben Laws, and that was one day. Uh, oh, well, just just before before I say that, the person that run the marathon with me was gonna come and do a couple of days of the challenge with me, but he is studying at university, and he found out that that week was going to be. Um, his tutorial week where he had to meet his tutor uh, on four occasions or something, so it weren't possible for him to come with me. So I put out onto Trail Running Scotland um, Facebook group, I'm doing this challenge, does anybody want to come and support me? And, you know, I got a few people, Kirsty was one of them, and she's actually in the group, uh, but I think she saw it on there. And um, And then I got a couple more people who who um, said they'd come and do it. So I was like, great. So day one, um, I actually went to the two people. Um, I went to meet two of the people prior to it and went for a run with them. Um, so that, as my wife said, check they're not mass murderers. Um, I don't know. I don't know how you check that. I don't know. I tried looking on the internet, but there weren't a checklist. Um, so yeah, so I first day was Ben Laws. To be honest, that was pretty easy. I've done that mountain before. It was a, a nice young pup and a lovely run down on the Baylag, but like you said, touch snow up there on the top. My eyelashes got uh frozen and my hair I was like, ah, what's wrong with my hair? And my hair was frozen, like solid. Um it was it was really cold up there, but you know, up down, take a picture, do a video, and set off again. Got back to the van, had some soup, had a cup of tea, um, realised that my food weren't defrosted, so and then set off, drove over to Rothy Mercus, um, got in there, got showered and chilled out, and it was it's an absolutely brilliant facility, and I can't thank them enough for for hosting me. Um, the next day was the day that was going to be a is it going to be today or is it going to be tomorrow to do the big Cairngorm loop so that day was planned that it was going to be split into two days so the Cairngorm loop was going to be Sunday and Monday but the guy that had um, got in touch to say he'd come and run that loop with me he was a really really experienced person and in the mountains, he's on his second round of doing the Munros, and his daughter, um, Quinn, is the youngest ever female to have done all the Munros at nine year old. So he's 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 been there in, and been round that loop about three or four times. And we had a phone call, we had a couple of Facebook calls, and he was like, "You could do it in one loop. You could do, you know, like." And he he basically did the maths and said, 
if you do it in two bits, if you do it in one bit, it's only three kilometers further and another 250 meters of climbing to do it in one go. Or you're going to have to go back and do it in two day, two bits. And, you know, and I thought, yeah, right, okay, we'll do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Trust his judgment on it, you know, um, which when I got halfway through that day, I weren't sure whether I should have trusted him. But, <laughs> but I did. And um, so set off um, on the Monday, Cairngorm, eight o'clock in the morning. Um, he went for double waterproof. I went for single waterproof. Gaiters, waterproof trousers, just everything, like fully equipped. Um, we had the ice axe and the and the mini spike crampons. Set off and I don't anyone that's ever done that one, it's out of the car park and you like that straight up, straight up Cairngorm. So absolute lung buster straight out of the out of the blocks. Um, did Cairngorm. Um, and then you dip down and come around, um, and it's quite a climb up back up to get up to Ben McDewey, which is second highest one in the UK. And got to the top of there, at, you know, Cairngorm, snow, Ben McDewey, absolute hooli, blowing a, blowing a hooli and tons and tons of snow. It was like that sideways snow stuff coming in. And... Um, I'm like, right, let's just get out of here. So we headed down, and the route I'd come up before you there's there's a, a big rock garden. Um, as you because I'd come up this this the way we were going down, I'd come up before. There's a huge rock garden. So I'd looked at the map and said, There's like a you can go follow the follow the river down, follow the burn down at the side of the burn, and you avoid it all. And that was although it was sloppy. It were a much better thing than trying to go over this rock garden. Got down into the valley, and it was jackets off, and but I was I was soaking, you know, soaking. Whether it was the, I don't think actually the jacket had let the the water in. It was just because I was I was sweating so much. I was so sweaty, and um, got down to the bottom, ran from the through the valley over the bridge and uh, to the the bothy, and got into the bothy. And I like I, I kind of didn't want to stop, but I knew I had to stop and eat. So got in there, stripped off everything off the top half, fresh top, fresh jacket, um, uh, fresh mid layer, fresh jacket, uh, fresh hat, and crammed about 1,100 calories in. Used one of the meal bars, and. I think in about 10 minutes, I'd eaten the meal bar, two cheer charge bars, uh, a Reese's Pieces cupcakes, um, a gel, and a handful of some other sweets that he had. So, I, you know, and then it was like, right, off we go. So while we're out there, because one of the peaks that wasn't on the list, Devil's Point, was there, well, I said, well, we'll do it because it's there. So let's go and do it. And so we did that, came back down, 
and then I look <laughs> it's like when you look at the topography of it you don't actually realize how much of a climb it is like devil peaks there and and the cairn tools like this that far and it doesn't look that it's only that far it doesn't look very far at all but it's a long way that was probably that was probably one the hardest climb of that day because it was up 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 just keep going up for, and it it took it took us about maybe over two hours to get up to the top from from there because when you when you're there was point you, you actually come down quite a long way and then that that hoof back up got up to the top and then you, you're basically on the ridge but like as anyone knows that we munros it's got to go up and down for it to be a munro um it can't just go it can't just be a wiggle so I think we were down about 200 and odd metres, then up 200 and odd metres. So it was up to Angel's Peak, and then Breirich was the last one, which that was that was that was hard as well, but it was made easier psychologically because I knew that after that we were we were we were on a we were on a home straight, if you like. Um, except you weren't because when you come down off of it, there's another hump up, and then. <laughs> I was like, I'm got, I'm going up again. I thought I was going down. So there's another hump up, and then you come down into Larry Grew, which was just that was like the most amazing descent. My legs were absolutely shot, but I managed to run all the way down there um, into the Larry Grew. And then, by the time I got into the bottom of the Larry Grew, I was like, right, I'm just yomping this. I haven't got much running left in my legs, but I'm, I'm gonna get, I'm, I'm gonna get back to the, back to the, um, to the lodge. So it was more of a horseshoe than a loop because we left Cairngorm and came round to the Rothy Mercus Lodge. And then we got back into the lodge, um, 37 kilometres, 2,385 metres of climbing in that day. And I'd estimated that it was going to take 10 hours. It actually took 11 hours and 52 minutes. So that was a big day out in the mountains and got back. Um, we had a cup of tea, some tomato soup, four slices of bread each, <laughs> and then I jumped in the car and he took me down to pick the van up from Cairngorm and he drove home and I went, I drove the van back to Rothy Mercus. Um, now I knew which way it was, but I had to put a sat nav on to get me back because my brain would, had stopped working. Um, then when I got back, uh, I, I ate that huge bag of food, um, and that this this was the bit that really kind of got me because after I'd kind of stopped and eaten and everything, and I showered, I realised that my big toe on my right foot was about I don't know nearly twice the size of it was originally when I started in the morning, and it was really really sore. So I was thinking, right, I've got some Nurofen cream with me, Nurofen gel. I read the thing, it said apply three times a day. So the following day was a rest day, three times a day. And I thought, well, if I've got a bad toe, I can put it on six times, I think. That'll be fine. So I put it on six times in the day and the swelling went down and it, it kind of felt a bit better. I was walking around on it trying to keep it mobile, but not. But in the night, at the night, I couldn't even have the, I had it stuck out of the quilt. 
because even having the quilt on it or the sheet on it was hurting. Um, so, yeah, took some painkillers, put some of that, took some paracetamol, put some of that on six times the following day, and it, it, it was okay. So there weren't ever any question about whether I weren't going to do it because of that. It was just how I'm going to do it, you know. I, I also had, like, a first aid kit with tons of stuff in, so I got microfloor tape and, um, you know, little bits of uh, gauze and that, and I was thinking, right, well, if I need to, I'm going to put the gauze between the toes and tape the big toe to the next toe and, you know, what am I going to have to do? So, but it was, it was actually okay. So the next day was... Um, when you and Ernie turned up um, <laughs> at uh, Cairngorm, at, um, um, not Cairngorm, at... Uh, Nevis Range. Nevis Range, yeah, at Nevis Range Car Park. And that was a bit of a thing because the night before you checked and found out that the gone that they'd closed all the footpaths because they had the um, British downhill mountain biking on. So it meant that we had to get a gondola up to to start, that we weren't allowed to walk up there. So I felt a little bit like, you know, sort of a bit cheaty, you know, because I I really wanted to 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 do that, but you know, what can you do? It weren't it weren't within my control. Um, they'd made that decision and said nobody could walk up because of that. So not much you could do about it. So I got over that pretty quick. Um, Got absolutely fleeced for a gondola. Um, <laughs> that reaction, Tony. I don't think I'll ever. I don't think I'll ever forget. <laughs> it was. The, it was the funny thing about the woman behind the counter apologising to us. Well, you know, I'm sorry that I know it's extortionately expensive. I'm so sorry. It's not my fault. I'm so, so sorry. And then she said, "Do you still want to go?" I'm <laughs> like, "Look, I'm running. I've got full like running mountain gear. I've got." Poles and everything. Uh, yeah, I think I think we'll still go. Yeah. You know what? We'll just go to the cafe. Yeah. Yeah, we'll just get we'll just go in there. I might buy a bike. Um, so yeah, so we set off, um, jumped up. Um Anak Anak Moore first. Um got up to what 750 and we got snow. Um so that was but on that on that day um and the next one i i used the poles mm. which were really good um i think I, I said to you that i mean ian didn't use the poles he had them but he never on the on the cairngorm loop but i think it's almost like a bit of peer pressure kind of like oh he's not using them so i'm not using them and i should have just stuck with my own guns and pulled them out and used them because i think they definitely definitely would have helped me out um because I found out on the next couple of days it did it did help me out. Um, so yeah, got up to the top of there, and I've been up the annex before. I did that last year, and uh, we got up we got up to the top of Annex Moor, and then along the along the ridge down and up to Annex Big, and we got to the top there, and it's like, where's the cairn? You know, like last time I was up there, the cairn was chest high, and I thought someone. Like I read this thing on the Facebook group about people checking stones from from um, Munro's, and I was like, someone's been up here and they've took them all. You know, like where's all the stones gone? And we turned around, it was like looking on the on the map, and it's like, oh, it's there. And it was about it was about that big. 
you know, because there was that much snow on the top, mm. you know, there was sort of, you know, from my, from my feet to, to my, almost my chest, that's how deep the snow was on the top, hiding this can that was chest height. So yeah, that was pretty, it was pretty mad up there. Um, and then we came back, uh, great descent down, um, running back down to the, to the car park. And, uh, yeah, that was a good day. Pre preparing me for the final day, which was going to be, um, which Kirsty came along to. Thank you. And we went to, planned on going up, up, um, from the North Face car park at Nevis, up Cairnmore Jerach, along the Aret, up the North Face of Ben Nevis, um, to the summit, and then down the pony track to the halfway lock and, and then back down to the North Face car park. But when we set off from the car park, it was it was already really windy. I mean, we came out of that sort of little bit of forest and it was like, you know, already already pretty windy. And then once we got onto the sort of mountainside of, of, of climbing up Kermor um, Jerak, it was like, hmm, how windy is this going to be up there? And, you know, about, I don't know, halfway, three quarters of the way up, we had a little snack break and had a little thought and said, well, I think... In my mind, I was saying the same thing, and I think you two were thinking the same. But it was like, let's when we get to the top, let's call it there because I'm not going to do some, you know. To I'm not going to put myself in harm's way to do this, um, but I am going to get it done. So we got up there, and it was like 50 plus mile an hour winds with gusts. That I don't know, maybe maybe there were a bit even a bit more than that, but not something. That I really fancied going across the arete on. Although we did see some people that went up past us, mm. and they went they went and did it because we seen them when we were coming the other way. But you know, it's each to their own. Um, so we had to come all the way back down, the way that we'd come back down to the to the burn, um, what sort of you know in line with the CIC hut and. You know, uh, as I was looking from the other side, I said to you, I think we should just go straight over there. And you were like, okay, well, it's your day. What do you want to do? I said, like, let's go down there, over that burn, straight over there. So that's what we did. <laughs> and uh, that was a that was a, like a three, three and a half kilometer yomp through knee-high heather and, and just shrubs and all sorts of stuff. So that was absolutely leg sapping but got there got to the halfway locking and when we got there um again that was a point where i was like i've got to eat some food um so again i i think i probably had about a thousand calories there um a meal bar charge to charge bar um and a and a gel and uh, also, I think I think whilst I set off and I was walking, walking started walking out some chocolate bar or something. So yeah, got that done. Um, got up to going up the. So that we went back up the way we should have went, went up the way we should have been coming down. So it was up the pony track. Um, got past the last set of zigzags and then which was about seven hundred 
650-700 and then snow and it was snow 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 all the way to the summit so you know what's that uh that's like 600 meters of snow 650 meters of climbing of snow which was um hard very hard um certain points where I did have to have a word with myself and I give a give a bit of a shout and a and a scream to to keep myself going, because um, I knew that as soon as I got to the top, I was going to feel good. I was going to feel, um, you know, like I'd completed it. But actually, in brackets, I know I've not completed it till I get back to the van. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, yeah, what was so we were seeing people who were just who were just coming back down. Um, and when we got up to the plateau, it was it had been super, super clear all day, even though it was windy, it was really, really clear. And then we got up to the plateau and it was just like it didn't it didn't quite like that it was still had visual, but it came in, didn't it? You know, it was like Oh my it's wind and like sleety stuff and it's like oh my god. So we got up to the top, um, got up to the trig point, did my cheer, did my shout, sent a couple of videos, and then uh we we sort of hid behind the trig in the out of the wind and uh I smashed in a couple of um Reese's pieces cupcakes, um food of champions. And then that was it. That was it. Turn around and come back. And we set off um, running back down. That descent back through the snow was amazing because mm-hmm. um, I'd because because I'd kind of done snow just about you know for the last few days. I I was really confident in my shoes. But again, I've got some new shoes, some Innovate um, um, shoes that had eight mil lugs. So I was really confident in them. And what we were doing was using the poles and heels, digging the heels in and like almost like skiing down. And it was hilarious because we passed, before we'd even got to the end of the snow line, we passed all the people that were coming down. Um, we passed them all. You know, they were like, whoa, where do you, where did you come from? Um, so we had, I reckon, we, we ran about 80% of that descent, I think. Oh, yeah, easily. Um yeah. What I'd love Ram to do just now, if you don't mind, actually, is I would love to just share, just in the background, I've got a video of Mr. Tony at the summit. And just to give people a little bit of perspective of the stuff that we went through that day, or, well, you went through on your day, I just want to share that. So just give me, if you can just give me two seconds, I'm going to get this up. So give me a nod if you can see that, Tony, yeah? Uh, yeah. Awesome. Right. So I hope this is going to play. I hope this has some sound. If it doesn't, I do apologize. I mean, you can hear the wind, right? (laughs) (laughs) That is the sign of a man who has just completed the challenge that he was setting out to do for seven months. It was horrendously wind. I don't think the, the sound of that really doesn't do it any justice. Um, but that was it was snowy i I don't know about you i was baltic at the top that was cold and yeah. all that wind that put us off from doing the cmd arete 
that was all now just hitting us on the summit. So we didn't hang around for much, did we, on the top? But then, yeah, coming down was a good laugh. So from yeah. there, my friend, down down to the uh, down to the van. Yeah, down headed down um, the back down the pony track the way we'd come up, and um, got to the got to the lock and um, again got had a little bit of a stop to to smash a bit more food. Um, I would. <sighs> I I was drinking so much water that I like didn't I didn't actually have enough, um, so I pinched some of yours, um, and I'd, I'd filled two bottles before I ascended, so that that I'd, I'd literally killed all them on the way up. Um, I pinched a bit of yours, and then it was like right, we we're gonna go, we're gonna go, just as the crow flies, basically. Down, we stood. I remember standing at the top, and you going, "You see that pile of logs down there? Well, they, were, they were about this big. <laughs> you see that pile of logs down there? We're going there in as much a straight line as we can." I was like, "Right, cool." So it was just again, we we're sort of heather bashing um, through there. There was a little bit of a kind of deer path, you know, sheep path or whatever you want to call it, little trod through, but it kept disappearing and reappearing and disappearing, and reappearing. Um, and then we got down to the to there, and it was the final. I mean, your measurements are rubbish because you said we've got about four hundred meters to go, and it was nowhere near four hundred meters. Um, but I tell people what they need to hear. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we kept going, and it was like all the way, all the way, keep running until you get to the van. And uh, yeah, I did that and got to the van, and it was like, yeah, that's it, I've done it. Um, and there's there's a picture that Kirsty took that. Um, of me standing like this with the poles, and I look about a hundred years older than I did when I set off. Um, what I can do here. I sent it to my, as I sent it to my dad. Yeah, I sent it to my dad, and he was like, "That looks like it's took your toll, look, took its toll on you. You look really old." I went, "Don't worry, Dad. I'll look younger next week." <laughs> Just to uh, share that experience. Sorry, Kirsty. I know you're running in your dry robe here, but I think it's very important to note here that Kirsty was. Um, a solid base camp crew for 50% of that day. You know, it was a big day to get to the top of um, Carmore Jag and considering you were nursing an injury as well. Um, it was quite crucial then to just be a bit of overwatch at the bottom because you'll agree, Tony, that turned into a long ass day. Um, yeah. Both those mountains done. But you'll have to excuse my terrible narration over the top. Um, but this is literally the last, what, 50 metres? Right, yeah. Come on, Tony, all the way. We had an agreement that Tony would not stop running. But I'm running fucking backwards. I want you running all the way in. And then he started sprinting. And I can't run backwards fast. Go, 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 go. All the way. Finish strong. Finish strong. Done it. Get it done. Nice. I think that might be the picture that you sent. You that, that's the picture, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, you know, we had an agreement. There was no run. There was you weren't going to stop running until you got to, um, oops, got to back to the van, touch the van. That signified yeah. the challenge. You know, you run. I can nearly put a dent in that van when I, that when was I hit a solid it. Slap, yeah. <laughs> and you know, that was the challenge. Ten highest max in the UK. I think serendipitously, you started with the. 
the uh, number ten, and then ended on number one. Ended um, on the highest, yeah. Uh, yeah. Which was which was absolutely amazing. Um, so I want to dive into just one thing here. I knew you went into a complete hole when you were at the top, going up the zigzags. That's what you know. We split up a little bit. Leave you to it. Check in. Yeah, we're all good. Keep going. I want to know, and I think this would be really valuable to everybody else here. When you were in the hole, a horrible mental place. It happens to everybody, right? When you were there, why didn't you just? Because I, I was ready. I think, I think the next thing I was going to tell you was, okay, fine, Tony, let's go home, just to test where the mental resolve was at. What kept you going, and why? Yeah, the pain cave of Ben Nevis. Um, so I think the the first thing really was like my own self belief that I believed that I could do it. I trained for it. I I was mentally ready for it. I'd listened to David Goggins enough. Um. And, you know, I've done some hard stuff before. So it was like, look, this is just some more hard stuff. So get on with it and do it. You know, I, you know, I believed in myself. I think that's one of the first things. And that you've got to remember that when it, shit gets hard is that you've got to believe in yourself. Because, like, when you were at the bottom and you believed in yourself, you've still got to believe in yourself when you're three-quarters of the way up and it's absolutely killing you. Um, or when you're three-quarters of the way down and it's killing you, you know. Um and then also, I thought I was thinking about um, like all the people that have sponsored me, um, and all the people that I can help when I raise this money. I mean, now nowadays people, you know, if you didn't complete the challenge, they're not going to say, "Can I get my money back, please?" They're just not going to do that, and you're not going to do that. But you'd feel like you'd let them down if you didn't actually do it, unless there was some kind of like issue, you know, like you got injured or you know there was like the biggest storm ever that you just couldn't manage couldn't do it but you know either either way you know like you're putting yourself in danger to, to try and complete it but when it's just you and pain and the mountain then you know just believing in yourself um knowing that you've done the training you know um knowing that i'd done i'd been up there before as well but not in them conditions but I, you know, it's like this is, you know, like saying to myself, this is just the same mountain as it was before. They've got just snow on the ground. You just need to get on with it. You know, it's just snow. Keep going. Um, those sticks came in invaluable at that point. Um, digging in and the and you know again, having the right shoes um, was was pretty important on something like that. Um, shoe choice is always a bit difficult because. Obviously, you've got a toss-up between, like, have you got enough grip and and feel, or have you got enough protection? So on the way down, when we got on back onto going onto the stone stuff, it was a little bit kind of like, oh, I've got to be careful because it's not as much protection as the uh, the normal shoes that I run in. Um, but when we got past there and started descending from the locker in that slop and all this all the sort of like soft ground and that again, perfect, perfect shoes. So. Yeah, self belief, um, I think was is one of a big one of the big ones, and because I knew that I'd done the training, it was something that um, I could I could believe in myself because I because I'd done that work, you know. Um, There's a couple yeah, of things I'd so. love to 
reflect on. So there's two more things I'd like to do um, for the rest of this call. Number one is, as you've been talking, there's three things I've written down that I want to... I want to just review because I think these are these these gold for everybody doing their own challenges, doing their own adventures. Right. Um, I'm going to leave the first one till last. So be prepared to review the plan. You know, that was that was going up Carmel Jag, going to the CMDRET, understanding, you know, this. So to put this into perspective, folks, the CMDRET is literally the most, I'd say the most sought after hiking route in the UK. It's the one of the most adventurous, or it is the most, sorry, adventurous hiking route up Ben Nevis, up the highest mountain in the UK. It's sought after for all hiking baggers. And we got there, we were going to go with the intent of going up, but the wind said no. Now, the thing is, we had a discussion at the top and we had to understand what the intent was. Was the intent to do the CMDRF or was the intent to tick off the two peaks? And the intent was the latter. So like you said there, be prepared to review the plan. Weather said, no, that's fine. We did the safe option. We got the hills done, made it a little bit harder for ourselves, but it's a challenge. It is what it is. And even though we did see those people that came down and they did it and it was like, oh, yeah, it's fine. It's like we said when we got to the top of the hill, it could be fine and it might be fine. But on that one chance that it's not, because we've got those conditions working against us, you have to be level-headed enough to be able to review the plan swallow the ego swallow the pride and get the get the job done regardless you know looking around the plan looking at multiple different angles to get it done you know i was even in my head had it had ideas of different routes we could take to go straight up the north face there are routes that we could have taken but at the end of the day we did what we needed to do and we got it done the next one is i think the thing was by doing that it actually um made me feel better in a way that uh because i never did the um the whole ascent up anak more there we go we made up for it so it kind of evened it out the other one was peer pressure around kit now this is this is this is brilliant because i remember you saying on that slog going from the path up that heather bashing from the river all the way up to the midway lock and just before we ate it was that place that just kept going on and on and on and on and on and it was honking it was it was horrible but poles were out and I remember back to being in the army. The army always had this chip on the shoulder about using waterproofs. I'm not sure why. Maybe it's just macho army stuff. And then you look at the Royal Marines and then they would be like, well, it's a piece of kit. So it's there to be used, right? Otherwise, you're just wasting weight. What's the point in carrying it if you're not going to use it? And the thing is, on both those days I joined you, poles are straight out because they're there. They're a tool to be used. And we can feel this peer pressure to conform this peer pressure to, and it's usually the ego that will say, oh, well, he's not got it, so I don't need it. So therefore I'm contradicting and doubting myself and therefore I'll just go with the plan or go, sorry, go with the flow. And the thing is, when we give into that, we're not sticking to our own plan. And it does take some confidence to be like, even though this guy who's done, you know, all the rounds of the Munros and everything else, that's 282 mountains, you know, even though he's not got his poles out, doesn't mean that I don't need to get mine out. And the thing is, it could have helped. It, yeah, it might've done, that's fine. And that's a lesson learned. Because peer pressure around kit is something that's very prevalent. It's a very key thing because, quite frankly, if there's a if there's a dip in our confidence, if there's a gap in our competence, saying before, you know, competence leads to confidence. If there's a gap in the competence of going uphill using the using the poles, then it doesn't take much for that to sink the confidence. And I think you'll agree, Tony, if you have that drop in confidence when you're midway up a very steep, very long day facing down mountains, you need every every single, you know, strengthening aspect of the armor as possible and if there's a small chink it can really build up into things i was carrying the damn things exactly exactly you know you know i think um you know and the last one is 
it's not that I'm going to do it. It's not that I'm not going to do it. It's just a question of how. And I think that sums up mental resilience in one simple, elegant sentence. It's not that I'm not going to do it. It's just a question of how. You know, in the face of adversity, resilience is, is being able to think and act your way through the face of adversity. Okay, whatever that adversity is, it doesn't need to be the adversity of the South Pole or the mountains. This could be the adversity of going to work. You know, it's being able to say, it's not that I'm not going to do it because I don't need to drop out of this and I'm not going to, I'm not going to allow myself to do so. It's just a question of how. And I think that last sentence sums up the entirety, in my opinion, the entirety of you running the 10, getting the challenge done from that initial conversation. I remember it well, the first conversation would be like, we were talking about it being a pub story, something you want to talk about in a pub. You know, I've run the 10 in seven days. Like what an amazing story. Summing it up to, it's not that you're not going to do it. It's just a question of how, break down the how, get all the training done. And then again, when you're facing the adversity, when you're facing the resistance, when you're facing all of the hardship, then remembering that sentence, I think really, really sums it up. So I think the last question I want to ask you is, for the sake of everybody here, what do you think the biggest thing is that you have learned about yourself from running the 10? What's the difference between Tony then, before you started, and now having done it? Um, probably two things. One, that I know that I'm capable of doing a lot more than I initially thought, uh, physically and mentally. And also on a, on a kind of affirmation sort of point of view that what I did to prepare physically, mentally, nutritionally and everything else I did it right, you know. Um, I don't think, you know, I, that's it. That's it, basically. Um, yeah, I can't. I can't really. I can't really think of anything else to say apart from that. Um, I mean, the <laughs> retrospectively, I, look, I had a look at. I did. I added up all the figures, and it was um, eighty. 84, 86 kilometers, 6,555 meters of climbing in 26 hours and 45 minutes of total running. And when I added it up, I, I kind of got so far adding it up and I was like, I know it's not going to happen. It's going to be above 24. It's going to be above 24. Because secretly, secretly in the back of the mind, I wanted to do it in the collective running time in 24 hours. Obviously that day, um, the day two, really put the kibosh on that because it was really like two hours more and obviously going up and down that took longer than than i thought it would have but you you asked me you said would you do it again and yeah without thinking i just said yeah of course i'd do it again but this time i'd do it faster <laughs> <laughs> yes love it so team i hope you've enjoyed having a bit of a a, a breakdown of um Tony's challenge running the 10. I think that some of the key takeaways I'd love for, for people to just think about here is, you know, it was a year ago that Tony first did, over a year ago, sorry, 
uh, more or less that Tony just did his first marathon. You know, I remember when we were working together and you were building up to that. You know, within that time, it was twenty twenty one, August twenty twenty one. Twenty twenty one. You know, yeah. in that time, we've been able to build up to that, and then get you to running the ten. And all of it, you know, yeah, the plan's great, but all of it comes down to trusting the process but getting the work done. Because the thing is, when we say that putting the plan together is is simple in its nature, it is really. It's simple in its nature to plan and put pen to paper, but it's not simple in its nature to actually do the work itself. Because I remember that six-week period, that, that, that sort of penultimate training block when Tony was properly in the hole and he was doing double sessions and we were really building up the, the, the volume and it was dark and it was snowy and it was cold and it was wintry. You know, how many excuses does Tony have there to, to just say, I'll do it tomorrow, or I'll stay in bed, or I won't bother doing this run? All of them. All of them. Did you miss a session? No. no. Because as we're going through this, it's not about perfection. I, I, I think Tony would agree. There are some sessions that he did were not perfect. We all do that. You know, every session that I do isn't perfect. We're not aiming for perfection. We're aiming for consistency, 100% consistency, and you are unbeatable. Unbeatable. The more you can trust in the process, the more you can tick the sessions off, the more you can build into it, the more you will build your own competence. Like I said before, the more competent you are, the more confident you are. And then you can turn up to day one. You know, guaranteed, Tony, I think you'll agree, you know, you, you, you would have pre-event nerves, we all do, you know, before taking on something especially so big. And then you just get into it and you go with the flow and you roll with it and you take every single punch as it comes to you, David Goggins style. And you get to the end and you get the job done. Now, I think a subject for another day is going to be dealing with the, you know, the post-adventure blues, the post, uh, you know, post-adventure, post-holiday blues and, and, and how to deal with that. I think that's a very, very interesting conversation um, for a future call for sure, because there's a lot of psychology going on there. But for what you did, my friend, I think that's absolutely insane. I think it's absolutely amazing. And, you know, you look strong doing it, you know, finished running. And then you went for a run the next day, you know. Yeah. So yeah. And on the rest day, on the rest day, I went and did did a 10K mountain run as well. So, um, and I, I was kind of, I was wondering whether I should have done that the following day. But, it, you know, I did. So. So. Yeah. And uh, just as, just as we thing that 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 was my kit list <laughs> all written out and um tick, ticked off when it was laid out and then and then i took some things away and then put them back again um all my nutrition written out so all the other all the extras like neurofen gel and magnesium spray and all stuff like that and that's just that's just me. I like to plan stuff as well. That's just part of my personality. And I think I'm I've actually um, I'm listening to this book at the moment, um, uh, called Coasting. And it's by what's her name, Elise Downing, right? And she starts off running around the UK. She can't even read a map. She don't. She she in fact she says at the beginning. Just to say, if you're ever going to do an adventure, please learn to use a map and a compass because I never did. And there were lots and lots of times that 
uh, I should have, and it, you know, I got lost and stuff. She was just using Google Maps on her phone. But in the in the opposite of me, which is like try and plan everything to the detail and have everything think, she just got a rucksack and set off. Which equally, there's some admirable to be said for that, and learn learning on the job, as she said. But now, after doing that, she's an obs you know, I wouldn't say obsessive, but compulsive planner now. She realizes that planning is has got its benefits um, rather than just, you know, chucking a rucksack on your back and going and trying to run around the UK, around the coast. But that's quite a good book. It's quite funny. Um, not that I'm planning on doing that. That'll be the uh, that'll be the initial recce for the next challenge then. <laughs> no, the next challenge is to um, cycle across Scotland in what 24 is... hours. Huh? Why go small? Yeah, cycle across Scotland in 24 hours. Solid, 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 solid. Yeah, so 134 miles on the John Muir Way. It's going to be amazing. And again, that's 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 your fault because you can do maths. <laughs> <laughs> or you did the math. And I was like, oh, yeah, no, it's maybe. When I told my wife, she was like, oh, yeah, that sounds better because it'll save me mucking around, having to come and bring you stuff and that. I was like, oh, right, okay. Well, there we go. Just wait there and it'll be done. <laughs> and there you have it, team. Mr. Tony running the 10. Got it done. So I hope um, I hope you've all enjoyed that. Uh, I hope you've all taken a lot away from that. I mean, there's there's so much gold in that, you know, when it comes to if you're questioning how to do multi-day adventures, multi-day events, you know, there's a lot of logistics behind it, but there's also a lot that your mind is going to go through. There's a lot of preparation for it, but, but equally, there's a lot of trust in the process to get there. So... Tony, massively appreciate that. Thank you so very much. I'm going no to... No worries. Uh, Thank you for uh, supporting me on my coaching journey all the way through. Every step it's of the way. It's been a grand way. job. Every step of the way. And also, thank you for Kirsty for joining us on the last day as well. Yeah. Yeah, thanks. And for pizza. Um, so, team, I'm going to end this recording just here. I hope you've all enjoyed that. Definitely go back and review that. I will be putting this in the Facebook group. It'll also go on the podcast. So we are good to go. So, team, thank you all very much for your attention. And peace. <laughs>